0: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in-between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello. Hello. Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia you know the good thing about having a country that is extremely English proficient in English is that the period of adjustment is shortened tremendously you know that is really one of the biggest hurdles when it comes to to adjusting to a life abroad Right, being able to communicate with the locals. Our culture is for better or for worse, is largely Western as well. So it's not unfamiliar to West to Westerners to come here and very and slide into society and the world. so you actually do have unlike other countries where expats tend to cling together, you actually have a group of expats here that are out and about and Making friends with locals and actually building relationships with good relationships with a lot of locals, probably more so than in
1: other countries. And good evening, good afternoon, good morning from wherever you're watching from all over the world. My name is RJ Ledesma, and welcome to my podcast, the RJ Ledesma Podcast. In this podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs to learn more about how they think about business, what are their success secrets, and can we hack them for ourselves? How have they innovated their own businesses during this pandemic, but more importantly, What opportunities do they see emerging in the new normal, even the next normal? Is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please do let me know. I would love to hear from them. I would love to pick their brains. Please drop me a message. We are also live right now on Kumu, CBRC TV, Global Pinas TV, and of course, the Bounce Back Network. Now, if you are enjoying this podcast and you are learning a lot from it, Please subscribe and invite more friends to listen to the podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, and other of the major podcast players around the world and around the country. Now, with that, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, a very good friend of mine I'm having here on the show. And just a disclaimer, he's also my business partner as well. And uh, you know what? During this pandemic, we've learned so much about how businesses have to evolve. But more importantly, I think the key word is how businesses have pivoted during this new normal. And I think that... I, Our business together is one that has learned so much uh, during this time. I'm looking forward to interviewing my good friend, attorney Rocky Chan of EnterPH, which is a consultancy firm that helps foreign businesses establish their businesses here in the Philippines. And I want to find out from Rocky if this pandemic has been a boon or a bane for foreign companies who want to invest and set up businesses here in the Philippines. Has it improved? Has it lessened amidst this Two years of pandemic here in the country, have we become more or less competitive as a BPO or business process outsourcing area in the new normal? Attorney Rocky, again, is the president and co-founder of EnterPH. He is passionate about bringing success to the Philippines through foreign investments. EnterPH is a consultancy firm specializing in investor relations and helping companies conveniently establish an enterprise here in the Philippines. With that, please welcome... My very good friend, Attorney Rocky Chan. Rocky, welcome to end to the show.
0: Hi, thank you so much, RJ. Good to be here.
1: And thanks so much,
0: good evening and good morning or uh, good afternoon to everybody else out there.
1: Well, thanks so much for joining us here, Rocky, right now. And let's really cut to the cut to the chase over here. Now, you know, and you know, we were there when the pandemic hit, and we, we've been talking unceasingly since this pandemic hit, no? But really, the big question in people's minds, though, Is with entropy H, and we'll discuss about entropy H in a bit, and get into the company. Did many foreign companies, who initially expressed an interest for coming in, because in 2019 we had a deluge of foreign investments wanting to come into the country. A lot of BPOs, not just the large ones, but even the smaller ones, and other process outsourcing companies wanted to come here to the Philippines. And then the pandemic hits, and when the pandemic hits, you know, there's limited mobility. There are travel restrictions, so. Did a company like EnterPH, how did it fare during this pandemic? Are, are people still wanting, or are foreign investors, especially people who want to put the businesses here, did they stop during this pandemic? Okay,
0: so it's kind of a mixed bag. no? So the great thing about, I think I want to preface this by saying that the Philippines tends to actually do well when things around the world are not going so great. And we've seen this uh, in the past 20, 25 years. So, if you uh, i'm sure most of your listeners know that the philippines is now the call center capital of the world we've now outstripped india of that place okay the dawn of the bpo industry in the call center industry happened during the asian financial crisis right so mm-hmm. 1997 happened every everyone around the world was you know looking to cut costs and to Offshore services. So we started to take some of that load, right? From other countries across the world. And that became the genesis of our BPO industry. Fast forward. Yeah. Fast forward another 10 years. Then the 2008 crisis happened. And that is actually when things started to really turn for us. So if you notice from 2010 until maybe about 2018, 2016, 2016 to 2018, it was really a great run for the philippines and there was a trickle effect it it ha- it went uh, cut across so many things the markets were good uh, employment was up more filipinos had disposable income we had a bigger a larger middle class and that is attributed to the influx of foreign investment into the country in fact i believe it was either 20 2016 2017 when foreign direct investment first outstripped OFW repatriations as our number one source of foreign exchange. I mean, nobody thought that that would ever be possible, right? Okay. So with that as a context, the pandemic has been kind of a mixed bag, right? Because nobody expected it. And at the beginning, and I'm sure you you, you know this, RJ, you know, we've had constant meetings about this. It was scary. Definitely for the first four months of the pandemic, because nothing was moving, right? Companies from abroad that expressed their intentions to come in in 2020, that was definitely on hold. And like I said, you know, we, we had really long conversations about this. We didn't have business for months, right? We had very little business for months. But, you know, even before things started to open up, right? When people were starting to accept the new normal, right? And the new way of doing things. A funny thing happened, you know, we started to get more clients coming in. In fact, there seemed to be this larger sense of urgency, again, because all of these companies around the world need to cut costs, right? It's a an unfortunate byproduct of the pandemic. But we as a country, and and we have become a very good destination for offshore work. And the great thing about it is what I've noticed is we are now not just a destination for your call centers, your inbound marketing, your outbound marketing. We're now becoming, we're we're slowly but surely becoming a hub for services that are higher up on the food chain or higher up on the value chain. And I think that's something that the country, and I'm not just talking about the private sector or the government sector, it has to be both, that we are poised to take advantage of and we should kind of you know uh rather than wait and ride the wave, we should already uh swim out to meet it. Right. So we can talk a little bit more about that later.
1: That's with the upskilling and reskilling also of, of our, I guess the people Absolutely. working in that yes. industry. Uh, but before we get into that one, I, I wanna it's a really great story that you're telling right now. I, I enjoy the narrative of we're taking it. But maybe uh, there there's two questions which I think arise first in the minds of, of people, no. You know, number one is why is the Philippines good for cost-saving? Maybe we, by now we intuitively understand why we are good for cost-savings, but then yeah. uh, why do countries see us as good for cost-savings? What's what it? What, what, what's the cost structure like? Okay,
0: so we are not the cheapest around. And, and I always want to dispel that myth, right? That countries, they come here, yes, to cut costs, but we are not the cheapest around. There are a lot of things that are expensive here in the Philippines. Real estate is expensive. Connectivity and power and utilities are expensive. Even labor costs have risen. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Because you want that. You want that for a country, that the country is moving up in that direction. What I think we have started to understand, but we need to preach that gospel a bit more, is that we are a very good value proposition for other countries. All the things that makes the Filipino great as an OFW really does translate to having that workforce stay home. You know, we are our proficiency in in English, our English literacy, obviously, our disposition when it comes to work and and just our natural disposition. We're willing to please. We are highly trainable. We are very adaptable. And We are, by and large, a very hard-working society. So these are the innate traits of the Filipinos that we have to harness in order to take this country to the next level, right? And that is what other companies are seeing in us, Mm -hmm. right? Before, we used to be another option. We used to be the alternative to India, the alternative to Eastern European country. Mm -hmm. But now we are... The primary. Sometimes we are the only really huh? option when it comes to countries. Yes, so that's uh, one of the things that I've noticed with, especially our recent clients. Sometimes I would ask them. I mean, have you looked anywhere else, etc.? And they said, "No, we we really focused on the Philippines." I mean, there's really no point, right? That's the feedback that I'm getting. So I think that's something that we have to harness.
1: I'm very curious, what do you think echo back to your argument they say only the Philippines? Because it's because they've had previous experience working with other BPOs or know of other BPOs have worked here. Do have Filipinos working for them? Or just by reputation alone, they say they, they want to uh bring their business to the Philippines.
0: Well, it's it's an unfor- it's a fortunate byproduct of both, no? Uh some of many of them have had prior work experience in the Philippines or have met with companies that do work in the Philippines. Sometimes, honestly, it's as random. As because they have this Filipino friend or this set of Filipino friends in the country that they're from. And when they talk to them, you know, this is the impression that they have of Filipino. So it is a very fortunate byproduct of the Filipino diaspora, right? So we're everywhere. And because our innate nature is very infectious, uh, it's definitely something that foreigners take notice of and Something that they are looking for when it comes to a destination,
1: and having said that rock, you know you said we've been i know we will talk about this later on, that your background before entropy is that like you were also helping uh, incorporate a lot of these foreign companies coming to the philippines and what what have you seen also, and this gets also to the pandemic story. What has been the evolution of them coming in like you said you no know, initially, everybody was coming here just to do i wouldn't call it low level work, but it's a different type call center which is i guess where you have to develop, you know, different accents. And we were highly trained about to develop different accents accents because it's very neutral. Sabi nila, the Filipino accent is the sexiest accent, right? But anyway, <laughs> right. Um, where, where did it start off from? And then how is it, I guess, evolving right now that, that things are changing? And, and what happened to that in the pandemic? Did it go back to doing just call center, the divergent type of industries coming here to do business?
0: Okay. So at least, so I've been doing this for 10 years, right? For over 10 years. I mean, not just with EnterPH, which is almost six years old, almost 7 years old but with another company as well and throughout that span of over 10 years i've noticed that there is really this uh, evolution when it comes to mm-hmm. countries to, to companies coming into the philippines so sure you have your bread and butter which would be you know low level not i would okay you're right i shouldn't say low level entry entry level or or more basic outsourcing functions but then a lot of the companies become repeat customers or they kind of preach the gospel along the way when they notice, Hey, you know, Filipinos aren't just good English speakers. They are hard, mm-hmm. highly trainable. So I-, I can take a Filipino call center employee and because of the grit and the drive that they innately have, I can mold them to learn a new skill that they can apply somewhere else. Right. And it's also a function of our higher than average College graduate turnout, right? So we do have more college graduates than than what I guess is the world median, right? And because of that, you know, a lot of more Filipinos are highly educated and thus susceptible to learning or upskilling their their current skill set. So because of all of that, yeah, it, it's, it's evolved, right? Yeah. So now during the pandemic. There is this need now. There's a global need for highly skilled workers. And I guess fortunately for us, it's really expensive to find this talent back in the home countries of, you know, western countries, etc. And they are now looking to the Philippines where they can get 95 to 100% of the output sometimes even more for a very competitive price. And they are not hamstrung by things like unreasonable requests from employees. That's that's the feedback that I get, right?
1: I guess coming from a Western culture, especially, then, then you come to, I mean, the way that they have yeah. Western employment practices is quite different from Philippine employment practices in terms of the relationship between management and uh, the employee.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. And because, you know, the government has actually taken great strides to make things a bit easier. So now it's a lot easier to incorporate a, a, a company. It is now easier to open bank accounts. It's now, it's starting to become even the infrastructure that's supporting these new companies coming in, it's starting to develop.
1: Uh, Rock, if you were to take a look at, let's say, for example, the clients who've been coming in, we've been talking about, well, BPOs is just the low-hanging fruit that we are yes. aware of. Can you help us also better understand because there are other industries there that, that are coming into the country which are interesting where a lot of them are compet- competency or skill-based. I know that there's things like knowledge process outsourcing. There is legal outsourcing now. Things that don't just require a-, a command of the English language. What are these other things that you've seen coming into the country in terms of these different outsourcing jobs? No, have they increased also during this pandemic?
0: They definitely have. In fact, I'm trying to actually, I'm trying to remember clients, uh, a client in the past year or so. That has come here solely for voice work. Everything is more back office, IT development, software development, even consultancy based services. So we are definitely moving up the value chain in terms of the, uh, the work that is being required from, from Filipinos. Not only are we looking at the outsourcing industries, you know, countries are starting to notice that the Philippines is itself a market for their goods and services. You know, a hundred and... What's our last count? 130 million people? 120 million people?
1: Mm-hmm. 110, 110.
0: 110 million people? You know, that's a pretty big market, right? And we are... There, people are noticing we are the most, despite our difficulties in actual connection, we are the social media capital of the world. So other countries are looking to, to see that as a valuable resource right and i'm sure uh, your household as well as well as millions of other households across the philippines e-commerce is now the thing so and all of the other industries that are aligned with that so you have last mile logistics mm-hmm. you have you know the development of these tools and apps that facilitate the e-commerce experience. I mean, these are things that are starting to develop and a lot of countries and a lot of companies in these countries are starting to take notice. So rather than just being being used as a resource to service other markets, we are now becoming a market unto ourselves.
1: It's, it reminds me similarly of why people are looking... Like Indonesia is one of the hotspots right now for, for a lot of in foreign investment in, yeah. in venture capital because the, the population, oh, three hundred billion people, right? You yeah, can't ignore absolutely. a market that, that big. So that's why Indonesia has actually been growing uh, by, by leaps and bounds. And it's been, you know, people are, are looking at it right here, right now. Now, going back to the Philippines also, Rocky, what have you seen also in terms of it being different I know because before people used to think you know BPOs those are those are large scale companies but actually you're seeing that it's not just the large companies that are are coming here in fact these are some even medium scale or just one to two people or in, in the parlance of the call center mga one to two seats lang yan what are you seeing them there, there? Um, Is it? Are are we getting also smaller companies who also want to do cost savings, or smaller companies who want to leverage on our talent? What are you seeing? How it's evolving right now in terms of people who want to, or investors who want to come to the Philippines to to leverage our cost savings and our talent?
0: I would think it's even. I would even go so far as to say, RJ, that it is even more crucial for the small to medium enterprises abroad to cut to be able to find savings anywhere they can. So they seem to be a lot more aggressive now. Than some of these larger companies, right? And usually, the larger companies are already here in one respect or another. It's really the small and medium companies that are that they need to account for every every shilling, every cent, every, every yen. And it is that need that draws them to the Philippines and to actually make them more aggressive into opening yes, one to two people shop, right? Five, ten people, and. Again, because we have taken strides, we're not quite there yet, but it's we're slowly improving. You know, work from home is now becoming very viable, especially in the big cities around Metro Manila, as well as Cebu and Davao and some of the other major uh, city centers across the Philippines. So we're, we're getting there. We We just need to you know, keep our foot on the pedal and, and not not the top.
1: And having said that, no, aside from these companies that are setting up, these are the these are the smaller companies you said that, that need one to two seats to to leverage on those things. How about also when you look at startup type companies, when I talk about startup, I'm talking about tech startup companies. Hmm. Are they also looking at the Philippines? Because admittedly, sometimes our laws aren't the best for 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 startups to put up yeah. here. But our talent is here, definitely. To you know, you have a longer runway for your pre seed or or series A, yeah. series B money to to be stretched out. Tell us a bit more about your experience, also, with, with working with the startup industry. Are they are they are there are they coming here?
0: Okay, so most of this is really most of it. Th- most of this is really just because of my experience in the startup community. So by no means claim to be an expert in this area right but i do keep my ear to the ground and really the biggest hurdle for startups in the philippines is its infrastructure we just do not offer as much as some of our neighbors do we uh don't offer enough incentives we don't offer enough protection we there have been some initiatives which are very good like the startup law that was passed. We had that sandbox uh, experiment in Bataan. In in Cagayan, yes. But we need more, right? You know, it's not a big, it's not a small thing that we are the first country in the world to have the government formally recognize crypto exchange. So, what that tells me is that it can be done, right? You just need the will to do it. And maybe a little you know, a little longer view thinking.
1: Okay. Uh, having said all this, Rocky, so let's let's go back into the idea of what's been happening this pandemic. You've seen that, you know, maybe midway through the pandemic, companies were coming here because they wanted to leverage cost savings. More importantly, now, because of, of what's happening, but now that things seem to be approaching a, a new status, a new, a new normal, there's a certain new normal going on where they are recovering already in the more developed countries. What's happening right now? How Have things changed significantly? Or... What are the type of foreign businesses still come here to leverage on our talent and on cost savings? Has it changed so far or is it improving? Is it decreasing?
0: So this year's actually been pretty interesting. So normally, January is a, I mean, pre-pandemic, January has always been kind of a, a slow time for our business because most countries, they're just starting to make their plans for the year. And then we start feeling increase around maybe in a couple of weeks, middle of February until about mid March. And then things start to build up and towards, and thwart, moving towards to do Q2, Q3, and then that last push for Q4. But oddly enough, in January, we've closed probably the most number of clients that we have done Whoa. on a January in, in five years. I think we're still at that stage where companies are now becoming more they're be- becoming more cognizant of the need to have some of their services offshore here so they can utilize their people and maximize their use back in their home countries. So again, no, this is something that we should take advantage of now, right? And we, I believe that this trend might even continue still towards the end of 2022, right? Because we're still, it, but not quite yet
1: were these companies that that you're that are currently you know patronizing your services in entropy age, are these companies who considered the philippines even before the pandemic or considered the philippines as a result of this pandemic
0: many of them actually have said that we already had plans to come to the philippines it's just that 2020 2021 we kind of had to put everything on hold you know cuz people were putting out fires everywhere back at, back mm-hmm. home and you know they had to kind of regroup before making that, that push to the Philippines. Because you know, as I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss in a bit, you know, it's, there, there are changes to be made and there are adjustments to be made when you're setting up a business in a country that you're probably not familiar with.
1: That's right. And Rox, having said all this one, I think let's, let's move into more, you know, you're talking about companies coming in and uh, wanting to come in. Now, and this goes into the heart of what EntryPH is all about. We often talk about, you know, having that entrepreneurial mindset where you figure out what problem are you trying to solve when you put up a business. And like you said, you were in the industry for the past 10 years, even before putting up EntryPH, but you did see an opportunity. I know right now that many of the large, there are many large companies that come over here and they, they need, you know, you, you, buy back, you are a, a lawyer. So, I mean, they can go to large companies. Why come to EnterPH? What niche did you find in, in that sort of industry of, of foreign businesses come to the country that you said, ah, this, is, this looks like something that could be a, a, a viable, scalable, sustainable business?
0: Okay, so I think it's because of the mindset that we, and when I say we, I'm talking about you and I and the other partners. We have brought, we have made our consultancy more business-minded and more entrepreneurial to to be able to do our business with the entrepreneur in mind, right? One of the challenges for a lawyer like myself is that we are very, very risk averse. And whenever we see a situation, we're always looking for potential problems. And yes, of course, how to solve them. But more often than not, our default advice is to avoid it entirely. And for the most part, that gets in the way of business. So I've come into this with the mindset that I need to be able to provide real-world practical solutions for my clients. So, And they appreciate that, right? They appreciate that I am just not getting in their way or I am not their Jiminy Cricket, and I always have to be the one to tell them, no, you can't do this, no. So, you know, along the years, through the years and along the way, I've picked up certain things that we can do, all within the bounds of the law, that would be able to service our clients better, right? And I think right now what we're trying to do is we're trying to grow that into an experience that's scalable. So that's really my big thing for this year, how I can translate that on a larger scale.
1: And and Rox, the the, the interesting thing that I'm also seeing, you know, uh, in in your growth as a legal entrepreneur, I, I would say, you know, because... First, you you really just look at we can make sure that we prepare your entry to the country legally. But aside from that one, you also started spotting other pain points that they experienced because, I mean, just legally setting up is one issue. But uh, it's also the other parts like, how do I set up? Where do I find the people? Um, you know, or, or let's say, for example, I don't need all these services. I just need this one particular service. Or for example, can it be, uh, you know, lock, stock and barrel, take care of everything and I just come in and it's plug and play. Now, tell us a bit more about how you came up with these other services that surround um, EnterPH?
0: Okay. So, what we've done is, you know, we have partnered with a lot of like minded firms that are specialists at what they do. So, we've imagined, you and I, RJ, we've imagined EnterPH as the hub with all of these allied firms and other consultancies as spokes on our wheel, right? So, we become the entry point, we become the initial and sometimes only point of contact for our clients. And then I try to figure out and, or the staff tries to figure out what they need. And then we make that those connections, right? While we do make those connections, we still become the primary point of contact and then we manage that experience for our clients. So that is what I'm trying to, I think that is the one innovation that we might have over other companies of, of our, in, in our industry. Right. Rather than try to build everything in-house, which is fine. I mean, if you have the resources to do that, then good on you. But if you're not able to build up those resources, then, or you're not able to take care of every aspect of those businesses well, then even the aspects of the business that are doing well tend to suffer because, you know, clients tend to only remember the bad experiences, not they, they, well, they remember the bad experiences more than the good, right? Uh, which is why. So rather than try to build an accounting department or bookkeeping department in house, I'm not an accountant. I'm not a CPA. Neither are any of the partners. I would rather work with a well established firm mm-hmm. that can do all of that. And because of the conversations we've had with the partner in charge there, they know what we're about. They know the experience that we're trying to deliver, and so so far they have done that, right? And we do that across all of the other consultancies that we uh, that we were partnered with, yeah. and even in some, that we believe in so much, EnterPH does take even an equity stake in those companies.
1: Uh, I know that there's one, even that, that we had a conversation with, but they're looking into. It's really a, lit- a literal build operate transfer because many of them, they go to us, mm-hmm. I want to put up a call center, but I don't know how to start it off. Yeah. There's some, you know, solving the pain point. We find partners to help them build operate transfer a whole call center. Can you tell us a bit more about mm-hmm. that?
0: Okay, so that's something that we've been developing for the past couple of years, right? Where we're trying to, We have been trying to find a way to be able to do just that, where you have a client that has an immediate need for a number of people to populate a certain office, etc. And we put together the resources necessary to build that and then just turn the key over to them once they're ready to, to come in. Now, of course, there's a new challenge now because of the pandemic. People are not able and sometimes now not willing to go to the office every single day or go to a facility. So while we do have the pieces in place, I think right now that's kind of on hold because you know, everything has to, it's all a matter of timing, right? I don't think it would be best if we release that sort of a so- solution when there really no takers. Okay. And it also is a reflection of how the nature of work is evolving. We can definitely move that build, operate, and transfer into such a way where we're setting up, you know, individual workstations in somebody's houses, in people's houses,
1: right? Uh, I understand.
0: So that's something that we we can tweak over the course over the next few months.
1: And, and Rox, this goes back to, you know, I guess this is like, a, I would say, incorporation basics. But many people don't understand these type of things, which is very important uh, when you, when they look at the Philippines in terms of opportunity. That there are actually different ways that foreigners can come into the country and set up a business. And it's not just it's not just a corporation. For those who are looking at the Philippines here right now, if they are purely foreigners or maybe foreigners of Filipino descent, how should they look at the Philippines? What are the different legal I guess entities that they can enter here into the Philippines at?
0: Yeah, that's kind of technical, Na RJ, if you don't mind. I would rather, if you don't mind, RJ. I, I uh, so yeah, I'll just take a very quick. Um, sure, please, please. So yeah, in the Philippines, we do have several business entities that you can have as vehicles for your business. So you have the a corporation, a partnership, sole proprietorship, a branch office, a uh, regional headquarters, regional operating headquarters, a representative office. So we do have options for many of our foreign friends who want to set up their businesses here. But I think one thing that I need to dispel is this notion and it's held not only by foreigners, but by Fili- many, many Filipinos as well. Mm-hmm. That every business has to be owned by uh, the majority of the business. Has majority owned by, by Filipino. By a Filipino. Right. That's not, that's simply not true. There are businesses that foreigners can own 100% of the business. And there are rules in place for that. But the, I guess the quick answer is yes. Foreigners can wholly own their businesses. And definitely in a BPO setting, that is the case. They can own and operate their businesses 100% under their ownership. Okay. We do have a list of industries, uh, and it's usually compiled in the foreign investment negative list where there are hard equity gaps for foreigners when they want to own businesses, in particular, Nationalized industries. And I guess the reason why a lot of Filipinos think that businesses have to be owned by Filipinos is because retail, which is maybe what more than 50% of any bis- of all the businesses in the country is wholly nationalized, right? With very, very few exceptions, but for the most part, it's wholly nationalized, meaning only Filipinos can own those businesses.
1: No, I, I was saying, but so that's very interesting. So there, there, there are many ways really for for uh, foreigners to come uh, and, and do business here in the Philippines, but we also have, right now that there's been well, how, how do you see things going right now that we actually the Congress just you know signed to, just is going to be presenting the law to uh, to the president here right now where they allowed more industries to be open to foreign investment almost 100 percent foreign investment. Do you think that you'll see inflow of more foreign investors here, not just in the main industry but allied industries to that in, to that industry that is uh, being opened up?
0: So it's a very controversial bill. Right. And because there is context to it, which I won't get into. It's, you know, there are a lot of good arguments on either side. But I think, as a general proposition, right, I don't think that opening up a lot of these key industries to foreign direct investment is necessarily a bad thing. I know that may sound very controversial in light of the context that we're currently in, right, where there is a supposed Chinese influx or Chinese invasion from mainland China. And while I do see the point, I I do see where they're coming from. You can't close off one opportunity just because it is rife for abuse by a very, very small sector of the population. And case in point, So you mentioned telecommunications, which is one of those industries that this law intends to open up to foreign direct investment. I'll ask you, RJ, out of the over 100, almost 180 180 countries in the world, how many countries do you think allow 100% ownership in telecommunications?
1: Well, that's a good question. Yeah. Let's say 100.
0: So based on the data that I've gotten from the World Bank on telecommunications alone, there are only 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Let's say, let's call it 20. There are only 20 countries now left in the world that do not allow 100% ownership. I'm not, I'm not even talking about, I know, majority. We're only talking about. We're talking about a hundred percent ownership. There are only about mm-hmm. twenty countries in the world that do not allow one hundred percent ownership in telecommunications. And out of that twenty, over half of them allow majority ownership. There are only less than ten countries in the world that do not allow uh, majority ownership in telecommunications. And in this area, there are only two countries in the world that are more restrictive. So currently, foreigners can own 40% in a telecommunications business. There are only two countries left in the world that allow for less, for a smaller percentage, and that's Malaysia and Ethiopia. So Mm. I guess that that's a bit telling, right? Where we need to move with the rest of the world, right? And it's an easy cop-out to say that, right? Just because something is prone to abuse, then we should just avoid it entirely. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little that's a little heavy-handed, right? And that really does stifle innovation. It stifles you know trying to do what's right for the country just because we don't want to get abused again. Not that. So of course it's easier said than done, but there are mechanisms in place to make sure that you know, abuse does not happen.
1: And with that, Rocky, moving on a bit, no? Mm-hmm. I want to look at now the, I mean, so hopefully 2022 is a better year. The year of the tiger is hope is, is looking so far pretty optimistic. And I want to talk about opportunities now. And the first opportunity I want to talk about is what do you think are the emerging opportunities really within that that sphere of business process outsourcing or outsourcing industries? What do you think many more of these foreign investors will come in here? What, what opportunities do they see as ripe for them to, to leverage our strengths here in the Philippines.
0: Okay, uh, I do think that there is a good opportunity when it comes to services around customer experience, and I'm not just talking about tech support and and mm-hmm. uh, and, and call center. When I say customer experience, is we do have a very robust group of designers for UI and UX. You know, we are looking at. Because we are so ingrained in social media and apps and, you know, we have created this unknowingly or unwittingly have created a group of people that do have very good opinions and the skills to match in order to, you know, create apps and to, to define and redefine customer experience. So that's one. Another thing that I see is anything that has to do with other experiences like tourism. So tourism is really bad now worldwide. Granted, but I think we are going to be experiencing a huge rebound when things open up. Mm-hmm. It's probably taking longer than I thought it would.
1: Revenge tourism. <laughs> yeah.
0: I still think that that you know when when things open up, we're going to reap so many rewards if we're able to take advantage of that now. And I think we'll be able to for for our country. We will see that in two weeks when we completely open up our borders right so i think by next week foreigners who are normally visa free can already start coming to the country and experiencing tourism so and and there are a lot of areas of industries that are catering to provide that experience maybe in a post-pandemic sort of
1: way what do you see now also well, rock in terms of the business opportunities here in the Philippines for, for Philippine companies or to support sort of the growth of the BPO ecosystem because there, there should be some opportunities there. What what do you see as emerging? Somebody who can help put up remote work from home stations for call centers. What, what do you think is emerging for, for us to have the ecosystem of BPO's thrive?
0: Okay. This is something that needs to be done in conjunction with government, right? It's not just on the this does not just fall in the lap of private sector government. These are th- these are things that we need to be able to work together in order to come up with better solutions or better opportunities for our foreign investor friends. So on the private side, I think it's you know opening up, being able to provide better services when it comes to the infrastructures that will make these businesses grow. Better connectivity, better better facilities, easier access to equipment so these are things that need private the, the intervention of the private sector hopefully you know if they have if they have the, opportunity, the the resources to to grow these areas then i think we should be able to service our foreign investors better on the government side my suggestion is to really take a look at our current system of incentives while we are incentivizing companies by giving them tax breaks. That's all well and good. But a lot of countries are actually giving something, either uh, free or subsidized electricity. The government should really make it a priority to look at foreign investment as something good, right? And I think most importantly, there has to be a shift in the mindset of your average Juan de la Cruz that foreign investment should not be equated to an invasion or colonialism of one sort or another. It's really just the way the world works now. I mean, countries are opening up their borders for foreign investment, and we have to be able to take advantage of all of that, or we will be left behind, right? And we see... Examples everywhere where a country is able to maintain and preserve their cultural heritage, their cultural identity, despite the fact that they there are so many companies from around the world that are investing in them. One prime example would be Vietnam, right? I think they have been very successful in preserving their cultural identity. Uh, Mm -hmm. Same with Thailand, maybe even Malaysia, Indonesia. I think it can be done. It's again, it's just a matter of of having that mindset where we do live in a very, very small world, and it's unfortunate if we live in such a way where we carve ourselves out of that world.
1: Uh, Rocky, if we get to start wrapping up this discussion. You know, as you know, the podcast is something that people listen to not just here in the Philippines, but sure. but uh, other parts of the world as well. And for the companies that want to come in here in the Philippines that are interested to set up, you know, if this is a best chance for you to sort of give them some advice now, what are the usual faux pas that they make coming into the Philippines and what can they do to make sure that they don't, they don't fall those same uh, traps or you know, the, those, those problems when they come and set up business in the Philippines? Please, please go ahead. If you were talking to a client right now giving them advice, what advice would you be? Give them, giving them here right now?
0: My best advice is that do not look at the Philippines as a place where you're just saving your money, right? You have to look at the Philippines as a place where we can provide so much value for the most reasonable price that you are going to come here even if cost was not an option because we do provide that value and we do provide exceptional work for that will be of credit to any company around the world. So I tell them I always tell my clients that if you're looking for cheapest place around we're not for you, right? And I think once you've reoriented them that way, then they start to open up their eyes and their ears to just what we have to offer. So for me that is always the best advice that I give my clients. And I tell them up front that yes there are certain challenges, but it's all worth it. There are challenges when it comes to bureaucracy. There are challenges when it comes to, you know, the physical aspect of doing business here. But I've rarely come across an expat that does not like the Philippines by and large, right? They may not like certain aspects of it, but on the whole, they love it when they're here. I think that is, you know, that's on the business side. And for those expats that are thinking of coming here to the Philippines and expecting to go to the office during the day and then have drinks by the beach towards sunset manila that's not manila <laughs> so we always foreigners tend to have this 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 concept this concept of manila that that they can come in and work during the day and then they can lounge around the beachside you know uh, towards the end of that day that's that's not manila you can try cebu for that
1: and what the what the, it's great that your wife is from Cebu, so exactly there's a great place in Cebu waiting for them as well. So absolutely nice. And, and rocking aside from that, one, uh, what can they also expect uh, in terms of when they come over here? Well, when I say legally setting up the company, what are the mistakes that they might make sometimes that you know you, you can say okay this time if you come to the Philippines, make sure that you know when you set up a company it should be this way so that it's to your benefit and uh, you don't get into any sort of long longer term legal predicaments.
0: My best advice really is. Please, please talk to somebody. Doesn't necessary. I mean, hopefully it's us, but talk to somebody who really does have knowledge of these things. Because again, there is that huge misconception that every business has to be sixty forty. I think that is really the source of a lot of the initial mistakes of for companies that I've worked with. Um, there is a lot, a lot, a lot of bad advice out there, and I don't mean it. To say that there's a lot of bad advice for nefarious purposes. It's really just born out of not being familiar with the intricacies of, of, of the way that our laws and regulations are set up, right? So take advantage of all of the facilities in being able to get, you know, good, sound advice that is really backed up by, by law. So. For me, that is the best advice that I could give any potential client out there or any potential company that's seeking to do business in the Philippines. Do your
1: research. They can also check out our website. The website is www.entropy.com. It's flashing on the screen here right now. Now, Rocky, also, when you when you say this one, when they, when they come to the country, of course, I mean, it's there's challenges, but there are also incentives. What are the incentives that you're finding that they should come in here that is both government and, I guess, Non-government like what are the perks of, of doing of living and working in the Philippines versus I guess other countries where you could be also an expat in a in a bPO
0: okay let's talk about government incentives so government incentives right now if you're in certain areas of of development in certain industries uh, particularly the export which are b BP, which BPOs qualify under, if you're of a certain size, you are allowed you are given tax breaks it, It's a whole system, but basically you are relieved of the burden of paying income taxes for a number of years and even after you are given the benefit of a preferential tax rate so that and an easier process when it comes to getting a visa a work visa so that helps and hopefully when you know uh, there are local incentives for small and medium or micro businesses companies might want to Take a look into that to see if they qualify. But most of the incentives really is if you live here, like I was alluding to earlier, the expat life is probably one of the best in the world. and and that's not my opinion. that's opinion. that's the opinion I get from. A lot of my clients who have expats here.
1: We could be jaded because we live here. No, what do they tell you? What they like most about the Philippines? I know you were telling me, you know, we were we were stuck in Boracay during the earlier part January. But you actually had a a, a client who was living in Boracay, who was live in Boracay.
0: So I think because we, well, definitely their salary goes a lot longer here. Um, and you know, the good thing about having a country that is extremely English proficient in English is that the period of adjustment is shortened tremendously you know that is really one of the biggest hurdles when it comes to to adjusting to a life abroad right being able to communicate with the locals our culture is for better or for worse it's largely Western as well so it's not unfamiliar. To west to, to Westerners to come here and very and slide into yes. society in the Philippines so you actually do have unlike other countries where expats tend to cling together you actually have a group of expats here that are out and about and making friends with locals and, and actually building relationships with good relationships with a lot of locals probably more so than other, in other countries.
1: And, and Rocky, one more thing that we, what always comes up, you know, as we start to wrap up this discussion also, is that expectation in terms of how it's like to work with Filipinos, I guess, versus, I mean, people coming here with a Western mindset. I know we've had these conversations in the past when we were speaking to some <laughs> of the principals that they realized that, you know, the mindset here is not the same as the mindset, uh, work mindset in other countries. Can you just help, help them better understand so that when they come here, they don't, Get the culture shock when it comes to working Filipinos.
0: Filipinos are very non-confrontational, I think, by and large, right? And when I say non-confrontational, it's more Filipinos just really aim to please. So Filipinos will hardly say no to anything, even if they cannot do it, right? Uh, because Filipinos are not very are not used to confrontation or to telling people no, right? Of course, it's a gen- This is a generalization but i think one of the biggest adjustments is more interpersonal where our friendliness and our demeanor of being eager to please sometimes can get in the way of work that's being done because you know Filipinos need to be a bit more assertive when it comes to to the work environment especially when they're dealing with a somebody perceived to be a superior so for me that is the largest cultural disconnect or the largest the, the root of a lot of the interpersonal conflicts that expats may have with uh, with, with Filipinos
1: and having said that Rob, thanks so much for your time as we start to wrap up for the uh, for for businesses outside looking at the Philippines as a potential as a potential investment hub or an outsourcing hub you know let's just distill all the advice you were giving if you're going to put it down into three to five uh, bullet points why the Philippines?
0: We are a very good value proposition. You will definitely get your money's worth when you work with Filipinos, and there's nothing like being in the Philippines.
1: And with that, thank you so much, uh, Anthony Rakitan of Entropy H. If you're interested to work together with Entropy H, either as a client or as a as a fellow in our hub. Uh, and spoke model where you can help support the growth of the uh, BPO ecosystem. Please get in touch with us again. Our website is www.entropyh.com Again, thanks so much. We will see you next week for the next RJ Ladessa podcast. Thanks so much, guys. Enjoy the rest of your evening.